We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Today on The Timeline, are you over or are you under? Made up over-unders with Max of the 7 Seconds or Less podcast, and of course, the news. Go! Recording live from dusty downtown Phoenix, my name is Mike B. Hill, and welcome to The Timeline, a Phoenix Suns podcast. From the great state of New York, Sam Cooper, how you doing? I'm doing great, Mike. Really excited to talk to our guest today, um, who is another force in the Suns podcasting world. Uh, we're huge fans of his podcast and excited to get his take on some Sun stuff. That's right. We have a guest. Our guest is Max McCauley from the 7 Seconds or Less podcast. Max, how are you doing? I'm doing fantastically. Mike and Sam, thanks so much for having me on. Uh, David and I over at 7 Seconds or Less are just huge fans of you guys. Uh Especially last week's episode was like the tragic segment. Actually, you know, brought me emotion. It was one I don't think I've ever felt emotion while listening to a podcast before. So that was wonderful. You guys are just awesome what you do. So I'm honored to be here. Well, we appreciate you being here. I really had a good time listening to your uh, last podcast, which you guys are doing a positional thing for your podcast, going over each position for the starting five for the Suns, or actually every position in general, right? And you had Sam Vicini uh, talking about the sem- center position. That was a really great podcast. Was that fun to record? Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, it was. Uh, Sam Vicini deigned to come on our little podcast, and it was just great to pick his brain. Yeah, that was a really fun one. Um, So Max is going to join us for the duration of this podcast. So let's get directly into the news. All right. First things first, 
the schedule for the 2018-2019 season was released and we got to take a look at the games that the Phoenix Suns are actually going to play. Uh, it was a bit of a sobering realization for a lot of people to take a look at the schedule and realize how good some of the teams are in the NBA. Uh, one of the notes, uh, there was only three real national TV games, two on ESPN, uh, one on TNT. Actually, Max, let's start with you. What are your thoughts on the schedule when you looked at it first uh, first time? Uh, the first time I took a look at it, I, I was a little bit scared because of the first 15 or 16 games are really hard. Uh, I think we play San Antonio twice and OKC three times, which, you know, not optimal. But uh, it, maybe it'll be nice to get kind of the kinks worked out early, maybe start off slow and then, you know, ease into December and January where the schedule lightens up and maybe our team's gelling a little bit more. Sam, what did you think? Yeah, I mean, what, what Max has said is completely right. Uh, that opening schedule is pretty tough. We play mostly likely playoff teams in the first couple of months. And, you know, I, I would almost caution Suns fans not to put too much stock in the opening 20 games of the season because um, just trying to be as much of a realist as possible, I think it might be a rough start for the team, given that we play San Antonio a couple times, OKC three times, um, all sorts of playoff teams really throughout that stretch. Uh, it might be hard for this team to click instantly. Now, I know when I looked at the schedule, the first thing I did was look for the first time we played Philadelphia. I just think since the draft night and seeing Embiid uh, talk uh, about Aiton on Twitter, that was the first thing I was looking forward to to seeing. Max, what what kind of games? What games were you circling when you first looked at the schedule? Yeah, Aiton got him back. Did you see the, the drawing he had? <laughs> I loved it. That was so funny. It's my uh, Twitter background. Now. It was great. Even Embiid liked it. I think. But uh, yeah, it's on my refrigerator. It was really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, obviously the Philly game is huge, but I'm also circling all three of the OKC games in the first couple of months because. Uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing DeAndre Ayton go up against somebody with the physicality and, and sort of just the meanness of Steven Adams. Like, I think it's pretty unlikely that DeAndre Ayton's ever played against someone like Steven Adams before. So I'm excited to see kind of how he starts a game one against Adams and how he's playing against him in game three, whether he can kind of accommodate to it. Yeah, I like that that you that you mentioned sort of watching the progression through them. Uh, Sam, did you have any games that stuck out to you when you looked at the schedule? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'd like to throw out the Utah Jazz just as a great, storyline i think right now in uh building a sun's jazz rivalry i mean devin booker and deandre ayton versus donovan mitchell and rudy gobert that's going to be a lot of fun to watch i think the jazz are a much 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 better team than we are right now more polished in basically every sense of the word um but i do think there's there's sort of a fun budding rivalry there uh, especially between these two fan bases on twitter so that that'll be fun to watch and uh definitely some narratives are going to come out of those games the other game is game one Dallas, we can't forget about oh, that. Oh, absolutely uh, you not. Know, that's sort of mm-hmm. the Aiton and Doncic game. Now, Max, I know you've you've been on Doncic's corner. I just have one question for you. Uh, when you saw a photo of Doncic's car, did that change your opinion on him? <laughs> that car was something else, wasn't it? I will say it, it may have changed my opinion a little bit, except for at the same time, uh, I think that's when DeAndre Aiton announced that he has multiple personalities, including Alejandro, like the Latin <laughs> entertainer. So oh, you know, it was kind of balancing out. <laughs> You know, actually, now that you bring up Aiton, let's talk about these rookie day highlights of DeAndre Aiton that's been coming out. Now, I know that DeAndre Aiton's been known as a guy that had a big personality, but I don't know that we—I don't know that I fully realized what it's going to be like to have a player on the Suns with this huge of a personality until we've seen him dancing to "Call Me Maybe" and singing songs from the DJ booth and calling out people, drawing the picture of him dunking on Embiid. Are you guys excited to see what it's like to have a guy with a ton of personality on the team again? I'm I'm super excited for it. Um, strangely, that video of him and Mo Bamba dancing to 
Carly Rae Jepsen's Call Me Maybe. Uh, that's an abs- that's an absolute bop, and that got me so <laughs> so excited. <laughs> I mean, look, guys, it's it's August. We'll cling on to anything right now in terms of Suns news, uh, just to sustain the hype to get us into that season. But uh, yeah, I'm definitely excited for Aiden's personality. Who among us hasn't danced embarrassingly in the shower to Call Me Maybe? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> sometimes you just got to live a little. <laughs> yeah, it's it's made for that. I just think. You know, I, I was aware of Aiton and I was aware of his personality and obviously we know his skill set and what he brings on the basketball court, but it didn't fully hit me that the Suns have this massive personality on the team. I know it's obvious to you know compare him to Embiid. Embiid is his massive personality in Philadelphia. I was just sort of watching that from afar and realizing that that's what we're going to be looking at as Suns fans in this coming in these coming years, that's this just happened to me. I just sort of realized that this is going to be a big deal having a personality like this on the team. It could bring a lot of attention to Phoenix, and uh, hopefully, you know, as long as he performs, it's going to be a lot of good attention. So we can we can hope that he really uh, shows out. It's a good point. I mean, especially considering that Devin Booker is you know sort of understated. Yeah, you know, he has a personality, but it's it's much less you know you know being brash in the media and much more just kind of being I don't know, kind of what a jackass in the court. Is that fair to say? Well, and Devin Booker's personality on social media has also recently got some attention. So, <laughs> oh, I'm so glad. I'm so glad you brought this up. So, uh, well, here's a little backstory. We talked a little bit about what we were going to talk about with Max ahead of time, and he hadn't heard this story yet. So, I'm really excited to break it down for him. So, Devin Booker in his Instagram stories uh, actually recorded a clip of some just some regular guys like us playing pickup at a gym. And he, he quoted on top of it, these dudes that be talking crazy about us on social media. The implication being, these guys can barely play basketball <laughs> and they're online on Twitter talking about me uh, and how I play, or not just me, but I think the everyone in the NBA is kind of the way he worded it, which I saw uh, before I saw anyone react to it. And I thought, oh, that's kind of funny because uh, I'm one of those guys that talks about Devin Booker uh, playing basketball online. I didn't take any offense to it. I just thought it was funny. But it was posted on Reddit specifically. It was posted on RNBA on Reddit. And the comments were so angry at Devin Booker. They were they were they were talking about how they couldn't believe that he would call out people who were just trying to play basketball and they were so triggered and so offended by it. Uh Sam, I know you saw this post on Reddit. What did you think about it? It was crazy. I mean, I had the same reaction as you. I just thought it was kind of funny. And then it got blown uh, way out of proportion. So I, I don't know. It was, it was interesting. Again, it's the off season, and and people are sort of latching on to outrage right now. I'm trying to see if I can dig up one specific comment from that thread you just mentioned because there was some absolute gold in terms of uh, what people were saying about Devin Booker. Well, while you look that up, let me just say just a couple of things about it, and then we'll get Max's opinion on what he <laughs> thinks about all this. I know it's all new to him, but uh, what I thought was hilarious is so many people were like, how could he talk about the, how those people play basketball? And yet the very first post about uh, Isaiah Thomas, there are all kinds of comments making fun of how short he was or calling him a child. It's like they can say whatever they want about NBA players online, but as soon as somebody talks about uh, just a regular guy play, playing basketball on the court, everyone is so offended all of a sudden. Uh, it's weird how it doesn't I go both ways there. Are you ready? <laughs> D- I, ho- I hope so. I'm going to read out the comment. We posted this to our Twitter at the Timeline Pod, and then Max will get your take too. But it goes uh, a little something like this. The title of the thread is just Devin Booker. 
Uh, and then the text post reads, fuck Devin Booker. Oh, he no. wants to make fun of normal people <laughs> playing basketball. Why doesn't he pull his head out of his own ass and take a look at his excuse of a basketball team? LOL at any chance of him making an all-star game in the next five years. With that defense, that contract will be a cancer in the next two years. I guarantee it. Also really dumb as a person. He went on Kimmel a year ago and couldn't answer any of the questions for a trivia game. <laughs> Just super mentally weak. But then again, they didn't pay him $100 million to do the learning good. Uh, so a bit of a, bit of, bit of a extreme reaction there from RNBA. But, you know... You get those types of people online. <laughs> what do you think about all this, Max? I think I have four reactions. Uh, first, I would love to see a video of that guy while he was typing that out against Evan Booker. That guy sounds like he was red with rage. <laughs> <laughs> uh, number two, can we just ban the month of August? Can we just get rid of August? I'm so yeah. sick of August. <laughs> I think we need to. Not, if, this, if, if this would have happened in you know November, this this would not be a story at all. Uh, no. Number three... Uh, to Devin Booker, I would say, look at Daryl Morey. Do you, you don't have to play basketball to know how to analyze basketball. <laughs> Daryl Morey is the biggest nerd in the world. He's probably <laughs> the best GM in the league. And the number four is, why do people care what 21-year-olds think? Like, it, you're okay. Analyze basketball. It doesn't matter if 21-year-old superstar X doesn't value your opinion. So that's, that's my takes on this. I love the take of wanting to see the guy type it out because I know when he typed the learning good uh, punchline at the end, <laughs> he probably had the most smug look on his face like, oh, I really got him. <laughs> got him. <laughs> oh, yeah. So there was also an article by Danny Chow from The Ringer that said, are we sure Devin Booker is a franchise player? And let me just say a couple things about that first off. Law boys. I hate this are we sure thing because uh, – the article was actually a really well-balanced article. I thought it brought up a lot of good points, but the whole premise of saying, are we sure, before any article, the, the implication is that they're trying to piss you off. It's, it's, it's clickbaity, and made, it made me click on it to read it. And I will say I was ready to be really mad when I read it and, and kind of get pissed off at Danny Chow, but it was a pretty well-balanced article. Did, did you guys see that? Max, did you read that? I did. Uh, I, I agree with your take on it. I thought the title was you know, clickbaity and the actual article is fine. Uh, if it may be a little bit repetitive of what everybody says about Devin Booker, but still fine. Uh, but it's worth remembering that first of all, writers don't pick their own title. So I can't blame Danny yeah. Shaw for that title. Very good. Uh, and I don't, I, yeah. And I also don't really blame the ringer for making clickbaity titles. So this is kind of how we are mm-hmm. these days, you know? Yeah. I, I, I basically agree with that. I was going to say the same exact thing as Max in terms of, uh, blame the editor, not Danny Chow. I thought Danny Chow did a good job with this piece. Um, giving the Suns a little bit more national coverage doesn't really, you know, portray Booker in a positive light, but, but opens up all the possibilities. I mean, he, he basically says that this guy is 21, as you were saying, Max, n- nothing new really written here to Suns fans. That would be particularly interesting. I don't think, I think Suns fans just like to see when the Suns are covered by any national writer whatsoever and, and see sort of what the buzz <laughs> about the team is. But at this point, I think, you know, if Devin Booker wants to get rid of his contingent of doubters, it's, it's just, he has to play well this season. The Suns need to actually start winning some games. It, it really doesn't matter how efficient he is on offense because we've already seen him be uh, an above-average efficient player offensively, and people still sort of call him a chucker sometimes just because the Suns were a really bad team. Uh, so really, at the end of the day, it's all going to come down to winning. Yeah, that's part of why I want to ban August. Let's just let's just skip to November and make our uh, Devin Booker takes then. Well, you know what? We're going to have to make one now because... I got to ask you guys, is Devin Booker a franchise player? Yes. Mm-hmm. I say Definitely yes. Definitely yes. 
Yeah. All right. Unequivocal, All right, Danny yeah. Chow. You could have yep. you could have just asked us, and the article would have been way easier to write. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I got to call for an ISO real quick because I have something that I didn't tell you guys about that I want to bring up. Now there are a couple more news items. There's small stuff. Isaiah Cannon was signed for the team. Uh, Evan Sidery broke down some uh, triggers in Devin Booker's contract uh, that means that he can get up to thirty percent of the cap. That's all well and good, but. I have a source, I can say that in quotes now, a source with a story that went down here in Scottsdale recently, and I wanted to tell you guys about it, and I wanted you guys to guess the player that this guy is talking about. So, my source, who's just a friend of mine, secret, uh, he's just a friend of mine, he was in a club in Scottsdale, Arizona, sometime in the last few weeks, that's all I'll give you there, and he looks to the VIP section, and he sees a bunch of guys pouring champagne on Rolexes. So what they were doing, <laughs> holding out their Rolex, pouring the champagne directly on their Rolex to brag about how much money uh, that they had. Uh, they got extremely rowdy. They were really into it, had a great time that night. There's a possibility that the NBA player that I'm speaking of may have gotten mad when they shut down the bar and he wasn't served any more drinks. Um, I want to see if you guys can guess which NBA player this was that was hanging out with people pouring champagne on their Rolexes in a Scottsdale club in the last few weeks. Who do you guys think it is? This is not a Suns player. It is. I can't. I'm not going to tell you that. <laughs> is this the James Harden? James Harden? It was James Harden. Okay. The reigning yeah. wow. MVP. Wow. Nice guess. So uh, what's funny about that? Uh, he he sends me my friend sends me a video of James Harden so I have proof that this was James Harden it's not just a made up story uh, but what's funny is it comes out that James Harden's name was mentioned in a Scottsdale police report from the same day that I got this video and what happened is someone a woman in uh, Scottsdale was filming James Harden at the club. He grabbed her wrist, apparently, according to the police report, took her phone from her, and then threw it on the roof of the club. <laughs> this is all from TMZ, by the way. So, you know, this isn't a police report, and the Scottsdale police have confirmed that this isn't a police report. Uh, and apparently the woman climbed on the roof, which is my favorite part of the story, climbed on the <laughs> roof to retrieve her phone. But before James Harden threw the phone on the roof, he deleted the footage of him doing whatever he was doing uh, at the club uh, beforehand. Uh, what's funny about that is I have a video of him in my phone, so I wonder if he ever meets me if he'll throw my phone on the roof. <laughs> Did you guys see the story about James Harden? Uh, yeah, well, I saw the rumblings, but I just really wasn't exactly sure what was going on. You know, it seems like a TMZ story in such an early phase, you know, kind of like that rumor phase. I just wasn't mm -hmm. sure exactly what was happening with it yeah i didn't hear about the rolex part i think that's your own little source detail mm -hmm. but i did i did see the other part of it with the the phone thing um i also saw the pictures of him looking kind of fat so you know with this <laughs> and the whole mellow thing houston's houston's off season's not going great yep 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 uh you know just an interesting story about james harden in the video i have he's actually looking kind of mad maybe he was having a bad night it's nice to know that he's still hanging out here in phoenix after graduating from asu um, let's take a quick break, and when we come back, let's go over some over-unders. We're going to talk about the official over-under we got for wins, and then maybe some made-up ones that we can cover. Be right back. 
Don't forget to subscribe to The Timeline on your podcast feeds and follow us on Twitter at The Timeline Pod. All right, welcome back to The Timeline. All right, we have some over-unders. So recently, uh, the Las Vegas sports book, one of the sports books in Las Vegas, released, I believe it was MGM, released their over-under win totals for the entire league. And of course, as Suns fans, all we did was go and look for the Phoenix Suns in there. And uh, we decided we were going to go over, of course, that over-under and then make up some over-unders of our own. And Max, if you're into it, I was thinking we could actually keep track of all of these over-unders, uh, the three, what the three of us pick, and then at the end of the season, when it's over, we could see which one of the three of us got the most correct. Are you into that? Let's do it. Let's put it all over Reddit and uh, Twitter and bear who right. is the worst player. All right, and then we can, uh, of course, now you're booked, so we'll see you in uh, hopefully in June after the Suns make the finals. Sounds good to me. (laughs) All right, the first one is obvious. The over-under for the win total. So this was the official over-under. This is the only one that we didn't make up ourselves. And uh, so MGM said 28.5 wins for the over-under win total. Now, of course, hopefully everyone that listens to this podcast listens to other podcasts as well. So we don't have to go into a lot of details. I think every single podcast so far has probably already talked about their predictions for over-unders. But I'm going to just give mine first. I think that I'm going to go with uh, over on on that one i don't i i think that 35 wins is a success i think that 30 wins is should be expected and anything below 28.5 would be a failure uh so that's that's i I think that's actually kind of a low win total but there is a possibility of us falling that low max what do you think so i think i'd take a very very slight over i think it's going to be 29 or 30 and for me i'm actually not as concerned with wins as as some other suns fans are just because i don't think we're gonna make the playoffs anyway i just want them to look competitive you know there's so many games last year where we weren't even in the game the second half as long as they're in the game in the fourth quarter and igor's teaching these guys how to play consistent basketball on both ends i'm fine if they lose a lot of games at the end i i agree with that assessment it's really all that matters is just Fewer 30-point and 40- and 50-point losses, um, please. But, yeah, regarding the whole win situation, I think some Suns fans are going to be disappointed with this. Um, I think most podcasts are probably saying right now that they're expecting 30 to 35 wins. Uh, And so I'd probably take the over two, just being a little optimistic. But I can't say that this is a bad line at 28.5 just because I look at that point guard situation with Brandon Knight, Shaq Harrison, Elliot Kobo, and I see so much potential for disaster that I just can't confidently say that the rest of the roster is going to be able to drag us above that 29-win threshold. I'm just, I'm not much of a betting man in the first place, but I'm not feeling too good about it as of now. Another thing you have to look at is that you can't look at this in a vacuum, right? The Suns are playing in arguably the greatest conference in the history of the league next year. So the only team we're arguably better than is Sacramento. So we might be a lot better and still not win a lot of games. Absolutely. And now to get to the more interesting ones. Uh, I'll start off here first, actually. Uh, now this one, I'll give a little context first. So the the, the category is Dragon Bender Dunks. Dragon Bender, <laughs> seven foot one. Skinny, skinny as hell. Uh, he has dunked. Actually, let's see if you can guess. How many dunks do you think Dragon Bender has, Max, in his is in, in his entire career? His entire so career. Seasons. Oh man. Um, I'm gonna go with ten. <laughs> good. That's it's a, a good, good guess. guess. So he was 
He was five for five on dunks his rookie year. So you're on track there. Except in his second year, he was nine for ten. Wow. So there was an increase in his dunks. He missed one dunk, which is fine, and you know, <laughs> it doesn't include it doesn't include dunks that are foul. I said nine for ten for dunks is a pretty good percentage. I'm not going to say that that's not very good. Um, so what I did is I calculated the line, assuming another relatively similar increase in dunks or dunk attempts at least. I'm saying the line is fourteen. Point five. So if you pick over, you're saying he's going to get 15 dunks or more. If you pick under, 14 dunks or less. And I'll start. I'm going to say under just because I don't think he's going to get more than 15 dunks. But it's possible. He's gotten a little bigger. I know he's about 10, 10 pounds bigger. So what, Max, what do you think? I kind of want to say over just because it makes me sad to say under. But <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a whole lot of confidence in it. But, I, yeah, I guess I'll go over. Yeah, I'm going to go under on this one, too. So I'll agree with Mike. What I want to ask you guys is where do you think the next step in Dragon Bender's development is under Coach Igor? Because I feel like sort of last year, like we, we all still want Dragon to be a successful NBA player. Um, and I feel like these past couple of years, he was really being pigeonholed in the offense in terms of just being basically exclusively a spot-up shooter. He really didn't even have too many opportunities to dunk, even if he wanted to, because he was so consistently camping out on the three-point line. Uh, and I feel like there is some danger there in, in terms of his development of just sort of forcing him to be that one-trick pony. On the other hand, you know, it may just be at this point that he's never going to develop a successful game outside of that three-point shot. So I guess I'm just curious about your guys' take on uh, you know, where Dragon goes from here. Can he even develop that inside game that we want to see from him? Uh, you know, I'll start there. Actually, what I think is that, here's what I'll say. I'll, I'll give another shout out to the Seven Seconds or Less podcast. Sam Vecini talked about Dragon Bender briefly on your podcast, Max. And what he said is that he thought that Dragon Bender needs to trust his instincts more on passing. Uh, the, the belief is that Bender's instinct is to make the right play, but he's doubting himself, and that's what turns it into a turnover. Here's what I'll say about Bender. Bender is a willing passer. He wants to pass the ball, and I think he believes that he's got a playmaking ability in him. And if you watch some footage of him when he was young and playing in Europe, he appeared to have some of that going. I think that his willingness to pass does not necessarily make him a great passer, and I actually kind of disagree with Sam. Sam, of course, probably has watched a lot more basketball film than me, although I've watched, I suffered through the 82 games of the last two seasons. So I've watched every game that Dragon Bender has played in the NBA, and I don't actually think he's a great passer currently. But the his willingness to be a good passer is the type of thing that I think Igor will have to work with him on because maybe there's something in there that I don't see. Maybe there's a playmaking ability inside uh, that he, he actually has. But I actually think that inside game, I don't think that's something that we should expect to see from him in this coming season. He's still really small. He's still really young. But also, Aiton's going to take up a lot of that uh, space underneath. So I think him spreading the floor, it's actually a good place for him. And I'd be interested interested to see if Igor uh, tries to unlock some of that playmaking potential that Bender himself believes he has. Yeah, I think Igor is the key. And also, th- thanks for the shout-out. That was very nice to see you again. But uh, the thing about Dragon Bender is he's just been in such a horrible situation for the first two years. Not to totally excuse him because other players, you know, see Devin Booker have succeeded in that in that situation. But I don't think he could have had a worse coach for him to start his career off than Earl Watson. Earl Watson just clearly didn't understand what Dragon Bender was. So, yeah, bringing Igor in is definitely a lifeline for him. And 
there have been flashes. You can go back and watch uh, OKC at home in January last year. Go back and watch Denver at home in February last year. And Dragon Bender has had games where he's shown you kind of what he can be. And that's this seven foot one guy who has a skill set that no one else really has in the NBA. He, he's sort of a matchup nightmare, especially sort of like a backup five, I think is kind of the way you want to use him. I agree with you. He's not like an excellent playmaker. I think for his size, he's a pretty good playmaker. So I would like to see them get him more involved as maybe maybe a backup five when Aiton's not on the floor and, and see if you can run the offense through him a little bit and see if Igor can be a little more creative with him. Because to go back to Sam's point, he's been far too often just shoved in the corner and just you know been a floor spacer who's just sort of an average three-point shooter. And if you're really going to unlock him as sort of his ultimate you know destiny as maybe like an elite role player, you're just going to have to get him more involved in the offense. You can't just stick him in a corner. So we'll see. It's a big year for him. Yeah, definitely. Um, moving on to this next over under i think uh we can't talk about dragon bender and then just gloss over marquis chris uh and, and particularly marquis chris's weaknesses so i want to talk about marquis chris and technical fouls um marquis chris for context again had nine technical fouls last season he had 11 in his rookie season and was top 10 in the nba as a rookie keep in mind he was playing like 20 minutes per game um and was 16th in the nba in technical fouls last season I'm setting the over-under here at 10, right in the middle of uh, what he did these past two years. Um, Max, we'll start with you. How how well do you think... Well, first of all, do you take the over-under here? And how well do you think Marquise Chris can start to keep his temper under control a little bit, not let his emotions get the best of him? You know what? I'm optimistic here. I think I'm going to go the under. And the reason why is it it seems like he was going through some stuff last year. If you remember, I think... I don't remember if it was January or February, but remember when he had like some sort of like after-game snafu where he ended up getting suspended for a game or so? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, It it seemed like he was going through some stuff, and I think he might have smoothed that out. This summer has been really encouraging. Uh, A lot of social media posts from the Suns and from him have shown him in much better shape. Looks like he may have been in a better place mentally almost. So I'm optimistic that he's going to come into this season with a better mindset. And again, everyone talks about how Igor is going to help Bender. I think Igor is also going to help Chris. Those guys just need to be in a better situation. I'm also going to pick the under, and mostly because Marquise Chris has retweeted us twice, so he's my new favorite player. <laughs> That's Marquise fair. Chris, Jack. But one thing I will say. The, the only Suns players who <laughs> we really care about. Oh, and Devin Booker gave us that one like, of course, but. Yeah, that's right. He did. Uh, The one thing I'll say is I'm glad I'm not the only person that reads way too much into Marquise Chris's face or Instagram posts, (laughs) I should say, and and Twitter posts, I guess. Uh, With Chris, it seems like he was going through something last year. He came in out of shape. He's a lot more in shape this year. He's posting a lot about his girlfriend, it seems like, which whatever makes him happy and whatever, you know, sort of makes him happy in his personal life, that's best for him. Uh, on and off the court so I am hoping that you're right one thing I will say besides that though is when Jared Dudley was traded I believe he tweeted at Marquise Chris tell him to to get less texts so (laughs) you know the one thing that may support the over is that his mentor uh, the Jared Dudley who was trying to keep him from getting texts he's gone now so uh, that could lead to more Texan. Sam, did you pick the over or the under on that one? Yeah, I'm going with the over on this one, although that's a interesting point you just put up, uh, brought up about Dudley. Hopefully Ariza can come into the locker room and just scare him a little bit, you know? <laughs> Strike some fear into the hearts of Bender and, and Chris. And Well, actually, you know, I guess you really want to take a different approach with them, sort of beef up Bender a little bit, get his confidence up, and at the same time get Chris to tone down. It's kind of a hard ask for any veteran to come into that locker room and sort of do both of those things at the same time. Um, but that's sort of what Trevor Reza is being asked to do for the Suns team. And I guess we'll see how it works out. 
We just need to put Bender and Chris into that transporter from the fly, and then hopefully <laughs> they turn into one player out on the other side. And I'm making 80s references. I'm turning into Espo, guys. It's finally happening. Hey, it's a good reference, though. You could really make a good player out of those two guys. Yeah. Uh, and maybe we put a fly in there, and they can literally fly. Uh Let's move on to, this is an interesting one. So this is Troy Daniels, games played in a Suns uniform. And I'll give some context to the number. We, if I calculate it correctly, we have 56 regular season games until the trade deadline. So the over-under is set at 56.5. So if you pick the over, you're just thinking he's probably not going to get traded by the, the trade deadline. If you pick the under, you're saying that he, you think he's going to be traded. So I'm going to start. I'm just going to say the under. I think it's a possibility that Troy Daniels plays zero games for the team, although they did. I don't know if you guys noticed. I know Actually, you know what? David actually tweeted this out, the, the other co-host of the 7 Seconds or Less podcast. Uh, he tweeted out a photo that the Suns, sort of this hype photo that the team tweeted out, and it included just about everybody on the roster but Troy Daniels. Did you guys see that? I did, yeah. I yeah. did see that. Did it include Isaiah Cannon? And not Troy Daniels? I think Isaiah Cannon was like the only other guy I didn't include. Okay, because, yeah, I mean, now that Isaiah Cannon is on the roster, Isaiah Cannon actually, uh, it's it's kind of interesting because Cannon's played five seasons in the NBA, which means he's not eligible for one of those two-way contracts because we still have a two-way contract spot technically left open. So we may have to make some decisions uh, about guaranteed contracts before the season comes about you know, if we were really impressed with Isaiah Cannon and wanted to keep him, I think that would mean at this point we'd have to either boot out Shaq Harrison, which is something I'm really opposed to, uh, or Troy Daniels. And even if Troy Daniels makes the final roster, I think there's a really good chance that he's not in the regular rotation this season just because of the glut of wings that, you know, we've all been talking about throughout the summer um, and the potential of guys like Josh Jackson, Mikhail Bridges, maybe even playing, you know, occasional spot minutes at the two behind Devin Booker. Uh, so overall, this is an easy under for me on the Troy Daniels games played. I'm totally with you. Full disclosure, I am not a Troy Daniels fan. I, the guy can shoot the lights out, no <laughs> doubt. Great shooter. That's literally all he can do, though. He has no other yeah, I mean, skills. He's worse defender than Booker. You're right. You're right. But but look, he made Suns basketball maybe slightly more watchable last season. I mean, not really, but slightly, if that makes sense. Well, the, like, the problem was we wanted to lose last season. And he was going to these runs in third quarters where he hit like five threes. Yeah, he was sort of scaring <laughs> us a little bit, but um, but yeah. I think it was good. It was good for Devin Booker to play with a backcourt partner that was able to actually hit some shots. Yeah. I mean, it, it'll be hopefully more like it could be this season, whether that be Knight or whoever else, if, if Devin Booker plays any time at point guard. The one thing I want to bring up before we move on to the other one is today the Suns released some backgrounds for phones with the season uh, on it. And the number one 1A photo on their tweet, guess which player it was? Uh, Troy Daniels. Oh, really? <laughs> Yes, I should have guessed. It was so there was four. So there was four photos, and you know how Twitter works. The first photo you put is like the largest photo, and the next three photos are sort of small photos to the right side. And the one A, the largest photo, Troy Daniels. I think they realized that they left him off a little late, and they're like, oh, they either shit. they either realized or they got a, a little phone call from his agent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that may have been it. So initially, I thought when that that first tweet that David pointed out that Troy Daniels wasn't on it, I thought, okay, well maybe this is 
is a sign that he's not going to be on the team later. And then, of course, today they tweeted that other thing out, um, which gave him that prime spot, uh, which I thought, even without the other thing happening, putting Troy Daniels as... Who's going to have a picture of Troy Daniels as the background on their phone besides maybe his mom or his cousins or something? I mean, if he comes on this podcast, uh, I'll do it. (laughs) Yep, that's true. I'm sure after this conversation, he'll be happy to come on. (laughs) <laughs> all right let's move okay on. Move, moving on max i have to start with you here because i know this is a huge point of contention between you and david and made for some really uh entertaining discussion tj warren game started uh and we're setting the over under at 41 obviously there's a bunch of options here you could start tj you could start josh jackson at small forward you could even maybe start mikhail bridges depending on how well he plays and i know that's something that you've advocated for I know that you have a sort of strong opinion on this, uh, and so I think I know what you're going to answer, but do you take the over-under on uh, TJ starting 41 games? I'm going to take the under. Uh, not just because I don't want TJ to start, which, I, I, as you alluded to, I very much don't, uh, but also because I just don't think he's going to. I think the team is, is it's more tied to Josh Jackson than any of these guys, right? They, they need Josh Jackson to be good, and I, I think it the best way at this point to make Josh Jackson sort of start to get towards being a better player. And I know Suns fans were really happy with the end of the season last year. And it was really encouraging. A lot of those games, like the 36 points against Golden State, very encouraging. He started to look like, you know, kind of what we drafted at number four, but still very inefficient. Still the the shot selections, you know, piss poor. I guess it's the only way I can really put it. Summer League wasn't that encouraging. Sort of the same thing. I think they're going to want to get him playing more like he was playing at Kansas when he was the third banana next to Frank Mason and uh, Devontae Graham, I think it was. Uh, you know, sort of being a tertiary playmaker, somebody who, you know, shoots open threes, who can, you know, finish uh, other people's playmaking. I think that's where Josh Jackson should be right now with, with Booker and Aiton in the starting lineup. Uh, as you alluded, I'd probably start Mikel Bridges. I don't really see them doing that just because, as David points out, I think he makes a good point that I'm not sure they want to start that many rookies. I think they're really going to try to be a little bit better, especially early on. And I think that, you know, starting rookies is is, is kind of a sketchy way to go about that. And then my last point I'll make on this, and I'll, I'll let Mike get to this, is that TJ Warren, is he's going to be kind of needed in the backup unit, right? Because who else is really going to be able to score you know, at volume on the bench? Besides Troy Daniels. <laughs> yeah. I guess we can just have <laughs> Troy Daniels gone. But hey, but Troy Daniels and TJ Warren actually be kind of nice together, right? Because uh, Troy Daniels can kind of space the floor for him. So that actually might kind of yeah. work out. Yeah, yin and yang. I mean, neither of them will pass to each other, but if you if you give them <laughs> no, a good won't. point guard, um, find them in their spots for sure. Uh, I'm going to go with over, but it's not because that's what I want. Uh, I actually, TJ Warren, we, we talked about it recently, Sam and I, where we had a discussion where I asked him if he believed that TJ Warren could be a valuable starter on a playoff team or a contender. And I just, I don't see, I don't see it. I just don't, well, I don't see it yet. And now there's always a possibility of a player improving his Mm -hmm. game. But if you bring that possibility into it, then you could say anyone could be it if they improve enough. But the problem with TJ Warren is uh, no shooting at his position. You need shooting now. Um, Not a great defender, not a great passer. And uh, just his sort of tunnel vision. Every time he gets the ball, it's just drive and shoot a floater, drive and shoot a floater, shoot a mid-range. There's not a lot of uh, ball movement when he touches the ball. But I'm going to say over anyway, and it'll make more sense probably when we go over the next category. But Sam, I don't know if you gave an over and under. Uh, no, I didn't. I, I agree with you, Mike. Um, I take the over. But again, it's it's not really because I want that to happen. I, I just agree with 
I agree with you fully here. The the tunnel vision, the passing from TJ, it kills me. It really kills me because we need to reboot this entire offense right now and get these players to buy into a system of ball movement, which if you watch Igor Setz dealing with the Slovenian national team is very much what they're all about. And TJ, I mean, I think you can draw up some great plays. Again, another plug for David, who just had a fantastic article um, where he was defending the idea of starting TJ at the three. Um, he wrote that for Bright Side of the Sun, and he he had some great videos sort of showing how TJ could be used um, in, in those sets, especially as a cutter. Like, I feel like TJ has gone away from what he was doing his first couple years in the league, where he was mostly just doing these off-ball cuts to the basket and was really, really efficient at them and really good, um, and then sort of headed towards a bit more of a mid-range isolation game, which I think was actually a move in the wrong direction for him. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think you can draw up some interesting sets for TJ, but still, I, I don't think long-term it's the best idea for us. Um, and I would hope that Josh Jackson overtakes him in the starting lineup eventually. I just don't know if it's going to be within the first 41 games of the season. Yeah, and just to wrap this up really quickly, uh, I agree with everything you guys said. The playoff, the, it just Suns fans who are a little higher in TJ, the one thing I just, I just point out is that TJ Warren is a very good scorer. I think we all agree with that. But he's not going to be like the, the best scorer on your team, on a playoff team, or even the second best. And if he's not your, your primary scorer or secondary scorer in your lineup, he's really not doing anything else for you. So long term, I think it, it, it is almost you know axiomatic that he has to be a bench player. Yeah. I agree with that. I mean, a lot of the space that he occupies is where Aiton's going to be in sort of in that dunker position where, where he releases a lot of his floaters from. I just don't see the spacing. I, I just I think that they're still going to start him a lot because, one, I think he's one of the early drafts from uh, McDonough. I think McDonough, it matters to him that TJ Warren plays. But let's move on to the next category because I think these are both related. And this one is TJ Warren games played in a Suns uniform. This is the same concept as the Troy Daniels one. It's 56.5. Remember, 56 games is how many games we have before the trade deadline. And this is essentially saying, do you think it's possible that TJ Warren uh, is traded at the trade deadline? And, of course, there's a possibility of him getting injured ahead of time. But when we score this later, it'll be you're choosing whether or not he's going to be traded. And I, I'm going to pick that. I'm going to go with under. I'm going to say that he's going to be traded by the wow. trade deadline. Max I'm, I'm surprised you said that. That's that's interesting. Uh, I'll, ex- I'll explain okay. why. In a uh, I'm going to go over. I, I think that, like you said just a little bit ago, Ryan McDonough is very invested in him. He gave him a four-year extension, $50 million, before the start of last season. I think it's important <laughs> to Ryan McDonough that TJ Warren shows that a little bit. Uh, I also think he's going to be, you know, even though I'm not a huge fan of his, he's going to be one of the better three to four players in this team this year, unless they're totally out of it by the trade deadline, which, you know, it's possible. I think they're going to try to let it ride with him. Um, but, you know, I hope you're right, because I'd, I'd rather trade him for value if we can. Um, I Yeah, that's just interesting to me, again, that you said that, Mike. I, I If you had asked me about this like a year ago, then I think I would have said, yeah, maybe TJ's going to be traded. I just don't see it anymore. Think about the guys that we were talking about as potential trade targets in recent podcasts over the past several months, Kemba Walker, Kevin Love. It's basically a bunch of names of guys who are now free agents that the Suns could just sort of wait it out and use their free agency money on next year. Um, I I just don't see a TJ trade in the Suns' future, but I could be wrong. Uh, a lot of Ryan's trades in the past, as we've uh, talked about on our Ryan McDonough podcast, Mike, was uh, stuff that nobody ever saw coming and was sort of just bombs that were dropped on us. So could be that way too. Well, here's what I'll say about T.J. Warren. 
He is one of the only players on our team that has trade value. And part of that is because where his contract sits, he's sort of in that mid-tier area where it's one of the few contracts that's tradable if we took on anything coming back. Now, whether that be a player of value this year or we take maybe a contract that's sort of a dead contract with other assets attached like draft picks or young players that don't make a lot of money, there has to be salary filler. And me saying under sort of predicting the trade, part of it is because I kind of assumed that both of you were going to take the over and I'm just kind of hedging to try and win this uh, this battle here. <laughs> but the other part is if we trade anyone, this is a belief that we're going to trade someone, essentially. If we trade anyone, I think that his contract is one of the few that has value. And I don't think that it's possible to trade TJ Warren for a star. So if you're a Suns fan and you're listening to this and say, oh, Kemba Walker. No, it's, I, don't, I don't think that he has that kind of value. But I think if we're, if we're actually taking on any salary, we need somebody that's not on a rookie deal. And it's not going to be Trevor Reza, although it's possible because he is on an expiring contract. And uh, I don't think that Brandon Knight or uh, Tyson Chandler have a lot of, of value right now, especially for how old Tyson Chandler is and Brandon Knight needs to prove it before he before he does it. And those are the other players that are sort of in that mid-tier contract level. So I just think TJ Warren, it's, it's the most likely guy to me. Interesting. I have a quick question for you. So I'm not going to put you on the spot and ask you for a specific team, but what, what kind of team do you think would want to be trading for TJ Warren? Like a playoff like sort of mini contender or what? Well, I think that you're right in your assessment in – what TJ Warren's future is, I think that a lot of Suns fans bring this up. His future is sort of that spark plug off the bench where he can have full control uh, over over the offense and take as many shots as he needs to. And I think it could be a playoff team that has some room for a, a bench score as someone that can help them, sort of like that Carmelo Anthony role on the Houston Rockets, maybe, if he's willing to take it. Uh, and that's the kind of that's kind of his destiny. And if he's willing to do that on the Suns, that would be that would be great, uh, and you know that's a lot of that has to do with McDonough and Igor and how good they are at sort of massaging his ego and making sure he doesn't take it personally. Um, but you know that's the kind of team that I would think. And you know there's a there's a possibility that I don't know how many old school GMs there are, but he's a very old school player, and there's a possibility that a GM looks at him and that sort of skill set and values it more than McDonough. And if that exists, he needs to. He strikes me as a real Vladi Divac type of acquisition. <laughs> <laughs> I hope for TJ's sake that's not true. Yeah, we'll yeah, <laughs> we'll move too. on on that note. And uh, now I want to talk about Igor. And specifically, I want to talk about what it would take for Igor to get some Coach of the Year votes. We saw it happen with Jeff Hornacek his first year as Suns coach back in 2013-2014. Um, I'm saying the over-under here at one. Because it sounds like, based on our over-under win projections earlier, that we're not all that enthusiastic. Not that we're not enthusiastic, but we're not all that optimistic about the Suns winning a ton of games um, this season. So I guess the the real question here is, uh, how good do the Suns have to perform in the first place to get Igor a single Coach of the Year vote? Personally, I'm going to take the under to start this one off, um, because I'm just not feeling it. I think we would probably need a plus 500 season for him to see those types of votes, and I really see that in our future. I think that we're all going to take the under on this one, right? Yeah, I don't think he's going to get a vote. But if he were to get a vote, it'd be because the Suns were like at least competitive and scrappy until March, you know? If the Suns won 40 games, do you think that's enough for him to get a Coach of the Year vote? Yes. So I agree with that. I actually think that we don't need to have a plus 500 record. I think that, well, first of all, I think a lot of Suns fans are pretty high on this team. But... 
I think that most everyone outside of Suns fans are not. I think the expectations are very low. This is sort of a measure of the expectations of everyone else. Now, maybe those expectations sort of change and morph throughout the season, and then people expect more if they come out to a hot start. But I think that like 40 wins is something that would garner at least one coach of the year vote. And, you know, keep in mind that they do like a tiered voting system. So um, maybe people vote the obvious ones in first, you know, uh, with whoever, the, the Rockets or Golden State, whoever they want to maybe brad stevens and then at the end they sort of throw in that vote for the guy that sort of overperformed on a team that had really low expectations so i think that's the only way that igor will get will get one of those votes but i think it's actually possible it's just very very unlikely this stuff is often like narrative driven right so it's going to kind of depend on do the suns go on like some crazy like 15 and 2 run where they're like oh wow look at the suns and they kind of fall off but then they end up with 40 wins or do they kind of just like you know win some, lose some on the way to 40 wins. A lot of it kind of depends on that. Yeah, a good example is that Miami team, I think it was two seasons ago, that started the season off really badly, but mm-hmm. then all of a sudden at the end of the season they sort of won at like a 65% win percentage rate for the last 30 games or something. And that, I believe, Spolster did get Coach of the Year votes um, in that season. So maybe just a really hot ending of the season, which would be great uh, because that means that we're not bad enough at the beginning of the season to start resting players. Um that that would be the that type of the thing run, I think that it would. That take. was the. I'm sorry, but that was the run where Dion Waiters turned into prime Dwayne Wade, right? <laughs> <laughs> it was. That was fun. I'm on Team Dion. Any guy that that's willing to take that kind of shot that he does at the end of the shot clock, uh, you know, I, I and he made a few of them, so enough to win some games. I, I, I'm on. I'm on that island, if you will. Um, now this one. This is Dragon Bender. Back to Dragon Bender. Three point percentage. We have two. Uh, actually, let's do these together. Dragon Bender and TJ Warren. Three point percentage. Here's where the expectations change when talking about these two guys. Dragon Bender's rookie season. He shot twenty seven point seven percent from three. Everyone knew that that wasn't his future as a shooter. Uh, that was just his first season. He he had the jitters. He he wasn't ready for it yet. And the three point line is a little further than he's used to. His second season, he shot thirty six point six percent from the three point line. Uh, obviously improved. And the expectation for Dragon Bender is that he's going to improve. So I'm setting the over under uh, on that one at thirty eight point five percent. So it's about a two percent uh, increase and a pretty high percentage for dragon bender for this season and i'm actually i'll start and then we'll 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 loop around to the tj warren one but i'm gonna say over because i just believe that the spacing that deandre ayton's gonna provide uh will help to increase our shooting percentage sort of across the board max what do you think i really really hope you're right mike that make me very happy uh man so i didn't love what i saw from him in summer league the shot still is like it's flat at times Mm-hmm. He's he's a natural and, and somewhat confident shooter, but it just it seems like weirdly his arc kind of varies on his shot. Sometimes it looks nice, sometimes it's a little flat. Like you said, I mean he made a big jump from his rookie to sophomore year. I think you're right in the right over under here. I'm gonna go slightly under, maybe thirty eight percent, but I hope you're right. That would still be pretty good. It would be great, yeah. 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 I'm just gonna go over and and I'll spoil my TJ one too. I'll go over on both. I want to be a little more optimistic here. And, you know, you can basically set it up like some sort of logic proof. The Suns add more shooters. Shooters create spacing. Spacing creates open looks for everybody. Open looks leads to the three-point shooters raising their three-point percentages. So, I don't know. I mean, I think the the looks that we're going to get on offense drawn up by Igor are just going to be better. 
I'd like to believe that Dragonbender can shoot 40% from three. It would make me very happy, uh, especially because at this point, that's his one big skill to fall back on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, I agree with that. It'd be great if he increased it. I did set that one kind of high. I wanted to be kind of optimistic on that one. I think that that's his skill. That's his skill. A funny thing about Bender's shot, how flat uh, it is, it's the complete opposite of Josh Jackson. Josh Jackson's <laughs> problem is like this overarching, insane rainbow shot. And then uh, they, we need to, maybe we can put them into that transporter machine as well. Um, now, the TJ Warren one, so Sam spoiled his. There is an interesting journey of the TJ Warren three-point shot. Uh, I did not realize that he had a season where he shot 40% from three. So his rookie season, 23%. His second season, 40%. And then 26% in his third season, followed by 22% in this previous season. So his worst shooting three-point season was last season. So I set this one kind of high. Because the spacing and just sort of what Sam just talked about, I set it at 29.5%. Now, this is a weird one because we've seen that he has the rare season where he can all of a sudden shoot uh, a really high percentage. Now, I think that what we pick in this one is probably going to be correlated to how we felt about what he's, uh, he starts. So I'm going to pick the under. I just don't think that he's going to shoot that well. Max, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I'm going to go under, um, that one season that was nice. Although I will point out it was like 50 games. I think he played yeah. and he was only shooting like one and a half per game. So it wasn't a huge amount. So it was a pretty small sample size. The, th- the problem with TJ in the three point shot is that I don't really see him working on his mechanics that much. Like it actually looks fine from the waist up. But if you, if you watch him shoot three, it's like anyone listening, I invite you to go on YouTube and check it out. His, his feet are just all over the place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they land in all sorts of weird positions and stuff. And until I see him, you know, try to you know, straighten that out and actually seem like he's working on it. It's hard for me to have a lot of faith. He's going to get better at it. Uh, moving on. We got to talk about Deandre Ayton, I think, uh, because we've been talking about dragon bender, Marquis, Chris, Troy Daniels, but we've barely touched on the number one overall pick. So good time to talk about him now. Um, let's talk about points per game and, Really, uh, uh, we're setting the over-under here at 13.5. Um, I'll start this one off. I think it's going to be over. Um, I don't think it's inconceivable at all that he could finish with under 13.5 points per game, but I just pulled up some recent top three bigs who were taken in several of the past drafts. You've got Carl Anthony Towns, um, averaged 18.3 points per game his first season. Jalil Okafor, 17.5. Joel Embiid wasn't really a rookie, but I mean his rookie season technically averaged 20.2 uh anthony davis averaged exactly 13.5 which is our over under we're setting here for ayton and then the one sort of exception to the rule of a, a top quality big who just outright failed in their opening season was probably anthony bennett you'd have to go back to that 2013 draft class where he averaged 4.2 points per game so um mike let's start with you here what are you thinking on deandre I'm going to go under, and just for one reason and one reason only. We don't have a point guard. We we don't really have a guy who can get him the ball. And so so we're going to rely on Devin Booker. Hopefully Devin Booker can get him the ball a lot. And then Brandon Knight. Brandon Knight, we've talked about it before. I think he had 3.5 assists on 2.6 turnovers in the previous season. So not not a lot of great passes coming from Brandon, Brandon Knight. Uh, 
I just don't think we have anyone to get him the ball. So that means that he's going to have to create a lot of offense on his own. And young guys who are posting up in the NBA, if that's where it comes down to, if that's where he's getting his shots, it's not the most effective way to score when you're a kid. Of course, I want it to be an over, and I think there's a high possibility that all of a sudden he comes out averaging something crazy like 18 points and 11 rebounds if things just click and we do find ways to get him the ball. But my lack of faith in our guard play as far as passing is the only reason I think that it's possible that he gets like 12 or 13 points, just a slight under and 10, maybe 11 rebounds. But first of all, I think it's a perfect over under. You should go work for a Vegas book or something. Cause I think that's exactly right. Uh, I, I have, him at, <laughs> I had him at 14 and like 10 ish rebounds. So I'm going to take the slight over. Uh, I agree with the points you've made. It, it, they're all good. He's, he's me a rookie. He's not great at creating his own offense yet. Doesn't have a lot of good people to set him up. Also, I'd point out that in Summer League, it doesn't really seem like if they're going to continue what they did in Summer League to the season, they weren't really featuring his offense a ton. Uh, it didn't even seem like Igor was going to let him shoot threes. He shot threes in college. We'll see if maybe that's something to add to his game later. But it really seems they're going to use him. They're kind of breaking him his game down to the essentials and building him up. So I expect him to sort of continue on that route and, and use him more in the most simple way possible, sort of like a role man, a lob finisher. Maybe give him a few post touches just to get him comfortable. So I think yeah, early in the season we might see him you know ten or under, and then maybe as the season progresses he'll he'll score more, but ultimately ends up right around that over under, and I'll go slight over. Coming up, the over under lightning round, followed by Devin Booker over unders. All right, here we go. The lightning round. Let's fly through some, and then we'll get to the Devin Booker ones. If we're ready, here we go. Let's start with DeAndre Ayton. Over, under, 9.5 rebounds. Oof, over. Sam? Got to go under. All right, I like that. Uh, Mikhail Bridges starts. We have a bunch of wings. I set this at 9.5, so if you're picking over, you're going to say he's going to start... 10 games or more. If you're picking under, you're going to say nine games or under. I'm going to say under. Max, what do you think? Emphatic over. Ooh, I like that. I love Mikhail Bridges as a prospect, but unless they're injuries, emphatic under. Ooh. All right, all right, all right. This is an interesting one. Another rookie, Elia Kobo, minutes played. I set it at Shaq Harrison's minutes from last year, which was 16.7 minutes per game, higher than I expected. For what Shaq Harrison played. I'm going to say under 16.7 minutes. Max, what do you think? Under. Sam? Yeah, I think we're all in agreement on this one. <laughs> I just don't really see the opportunity yeah. for him that's, uh, in, his first, in his first season. Well, that's my bad. I could have picked a better number for that one, actually. Here's an interesting one. DeAndre Ayton, Rookie of the Year, first place votes. There were 101 voters last season. Ben Simmons got 90 first place votes, and Donovan Mitchell got 11 first place votes. This is a better class than last year, and I'm saying half, 50.5. Will more than half of the voters vote for DeAndre in Rookie of the Year, or will less than that? I'm going to say over. I'm going to think he, I think he's going to win Rookie of the Year. Max, what do you think? That's a fun one. Uh, people are going to hate me, but I'm going to say under. Luca's going to win. <laughs> All right. Even with but that. Max, you know, even Luca doesn't think he's going to win. Did you <laughs> I did see that. It's because he's just so humble. It's part of his whole playmaking thing. Ah, uh, he drives a bright, shiny blue Porsche. <laughs> I'm, not sure how humble. I'm not sure how humble he is. Sam, what do you think? <laughs> I'm going to go with over and agree with you, Mike. Okay. Sorry, Max. Okay. okay, this is a cup, 
Uh, four more, and then let's get some Devin Booker ones. We can break down a little more. Brandon Knight, games started. And I'm setting this at half the season, 41 games. Do you think Brandon Knight will start more or less than half the season? I'm going to say I'm actually going to go under on this one. Over. I think yeah. he, I think the whole season if he's healthy. All right. Sam? I, I know we're trying to fly through it, but it's just crazy to me that you would take, like, what? You think Shaq Harrison is going to take his starting spot, or you think there's going to be a trade? I'm, I'm, glad, you, I'm glad you asked. Uh, I, one, he's coming back from a serious injury. Um, so I think there's a possibility that uh, maybe he doesn't start the entire uh, season. And two, he's not that good. <laughs> he- I know. <laughs> I think he's going to play poorly, and I'm, I'm going to watch it anyway. I'm taking over. Right. I will say, I have it on good authority that the team loves Shaq Harrison. So just, just throw it out there. Uh, we do too. This is a Shaq yeah. Harrison podcast, so uh, I'm, I'm rooting for that. Okay, here's another interesting one. Mikhail Bridges' three-point percentage in his rookie year. Clay Thompson shot 41.4% in his rookie season. Mikhail shot 43.5% in his final college season and 39% and 30% in his previous seasons. Improved every year. And I set the over-under at 39.5% for Mikhail Bridges' three-point percentage. And I'm going to go over because I love Mikhail Bridges. I'm not going to say under. I love that guy. Over. Right. I love that guy too. I'm gonna go slight under just to try to be realistic. Yeah. Um, you can't be mad at 38, 39 percent no. if he hits the slight Not under there. He's still gonna bring the spacing. Not for a rookie. How amazing is it that Clay Thompson shot 41.4 percent in his rookie season from three? Incredible. He's not, he's not human, man. <laughs> okay, Josh Jackson field goal percentage 41.7 percent in his rookie season. I set the over under at 44 percent for this coming season, which would be a pretty huge improvement. And I'm going to say under because of Summer League. <laughs> Max, what do you think? You know what? I think he's going to start a lot. I think Igor's going to rein him in. I know I'm not supposed to analyze this. Sorry. I'm going to go over. It's like the seven-second segment. Yeah. <laughs> we, <always laughs> we haven't brought that up yet. Uh, oh, yeah. I forgot I have to answer something. See? Already failing again. Uh, I'm going to go with the over. Uh, but that might be a little optimistic, but I will go over. All right. All right. And the last one before the Devin Booker one. Tyson Chandler games played. Tyson Chandler has averaged 53 games played per season on the Suns. It's gone down every season, 60, 47, and 46. I set it at a higher amount. I set it 53.5. So basically you're saying, will he play more than his average in the last few seasons? And I'm going to pick over for this one quickly. Why? I think the Suns are going to be trying to win this season, and it's less likely that they're going to sit him at the end of the season. So I'm going to say over on 53.5 games played for Tyson Chandler. Max, what do you think? Yeah, it's games played, not minutes, right? So he's just got to get on the floor. Yeah. Uh, man, mm-hmm. it's close. I'm going to go exactly. under, I think, slightly. Just, I think there's going to be a lot of veteran DNPs, uh, but it's close. Yeah, I'll go with the under on this one, too. All right. See the shots that I took. Now for the for the man, Devin Booker. All right, I have a couple of interesting ones here. Um, Devin Booker, high-scoring game. So the most points he'll score in a game this season. So last season... 100. <laughs> last season was 46, uh, and then he had a 43-point game, a 40-point game, and those are the only games he scored in the 40s last season. Of course, we know his 70-point game in his second season. And then he had 19 games that were in the 30s. Now... He's got the best team he's ever had, the most offensive threats that we've seen. So I set it at 46.5. Will he I'm going have over. Oh, 
<laughs> Sam didn't waste any time. Will he yeah, have more points easily. than he scored last season in a game this season? Yes. I'm going over, but here's the thing. I have a recurring nightmare where Devin Booker scores like 90 points in a game but still loses. And the narrative <laughs> just worse. Like, like it keeps happening, and and I just have all these thoughts going on in my head about like, you know, this cognitive dissonance of trying to sort through all of it like none of it makes sense to me so yeah but i'm taking the over Devin booker is going to have a 50 point game at some Ooh. point this season he will explode i sort of uh i kind of tie a lot of the hate Devin booker gets on nba twitter and nba reddit to that 70 point game so if he scores 90 in a similar fashion he scores 70 yeah that could be bad uh yeah i'm going over too i think that you know, even though there's more options available, Devin Booker just sometimes gets in those spurts where he's just so freaking hot, it doesn't matter, and he's shooting the ball. And I think it's just going to help him so much to have good teammates around him. So when he's on those spurts, it's going to be even better. So, yeah, he's going to go over 50 once this season. I'm going to go under, first of all, to be different than you two. Um, <laughs> second of all, I actually do think that this might be the season where Devin Booker proves that he's more than just a scorer. I think that that kind of talk about who he is and what kind of player he is, he sees it. We know he sees it. Uh, and I think that this might be the year where he tries to prove he's more than that. And if that's the case, then you know he's going to be moving the ball a lot, maybe focusing a little more on the defensive end to try and improve there. Um, and you know, I'm just going to say uh, maybe 45 points will be as high. Also, 46, 43, and 40. Those are the only games he scored in 40 points last season. It felt like there were 100 of those games, but there were only three. Kind of surprising. Uh, all right. Next one, I'm flying through them. Uh, Devin Booker points per game. So his average points per game. We know it's increased every year. I set this one at 26.5. I know this is only Suns fans listening to it, so I don't have to go over his averages in the last few years. So 26.5 points. Will he score more than 26.5 points per game? I'm going to say over on that one. Oh. Max, what do you think? That's another really good line. I think that's in the right area. Uh, I think I'm going to go slight over too. I mean, I think we all here have a lot of faith in Devin Booker. We know how good he's going to mm-hmm. be. Uh, the other threats are just going to help expand his game. I think his three-point shooting is going to get a lot more efficient. Uh, I believe that the, it was uh, you know one of those advanced set-checking systems had him at, I think, the, the top five percentile of most difficult three-pointers shot in the league and still hit 38% of them. So if those get slightly easier and he's shooting over 40%, I think it's fair to expect him to increase his efficiency, even maybe on fewer shots, and get up over 26 and a half. Yeah, that's a reasonable argument, and I hope, both of you guys are right. I'm going to take a slight under here just because I think generally if we follow the rule of uh, efficiency goes up, volume goes down as this team gets better, then he might not necessarily jump into the high 20s so soon. So I'm going to I'm going to take an under. Who do you think is going to eat more of those shots, though? <laughs> I still think there were plenty of shots to go around last season. I, I don't know. I, it's just I know, of course, we have Mikhail Bridges. We have Trevor Ariza. Um, I think that TJ Warren's role is going to be reduced a little bit. And I know Josh Jackson's role is going to be reduced a little bit. I don't think that it's going to be Devin Booker's role that's going to be reduced. I still think it's his usage rate will actually increase. Um, but we'll see. No, I agree with that. I think, yeah, you're right that Devin Booker, I agree that his role is going to be just as high. He might just be passing more. We'll see. But Brandon Knight will probably take some of those shots than obviously yeah. DeAndre Ayton. But uh, you're right. Mikhail Burgess and Trevor Reza, those guys aren't taking shots. All right. Two more. Devin Booker assists per game. And I set this one kind of high at six assists. So he was right around five. He almost had five assists last season. But now he's got the best big man he's ever played with, in theory. 
And uh, that's going to be the type of guy that he can actually get the ball to. One of his best passes that he had last season was that sort of roll pass to Tyson Chandler or to Alex Lynn, who sort of fumbled it out of bounds. Uh, we know that Aiton's got great hands. He's great at finishing above the rim, so that that uh, that can go down. But there's also more shooters on this team than we've ever had. Uh, Devin Booker had one of the highest potential assist rates in the NBA in the previous few seasons, uh, but we can convert in a lot of those assists. So six assists, I'm actually going to give a, a slight over, and I'm going to say like literally like a six point one. I think six around six is what he what he's going to average is my prediction. Max, another very strong over from this corner. Uh, one of one of Suns fans' least it. favorite people or analysts, Nate Duncan, actually. Yeah. Even he gave Devin Booker credit and said he should have had an assist per game more last year than he had because his big men were just flobbing all of his lobs and not and his wings weren't making his uh, threes off his passes. So just just by virtue of having better teammates, Booker should have more assists and then also like hope and expect him to take another leap as a playmaker. So over. I'll go under, but not for the reason you think. Devin Booker will lead the Suns to so many blowout wins this upcoming season <laughs> that it'll be like Steph Curry syndrome. He'll only play 25 minutes a game. And so he, he just, the raw averages won't even be there. But the per 36 numbers, those will be crazy. I love it. I love it. <laughs> See you guys in the finals. <laughs> this is an interesting one. And the last one Devin Booker's starts at point guard. How many games will Devin Booker start at point guard? And this is one. I set the line at one. Do you think Devin Booker will start at point guard more than one time this season? And I'm going to give an over because that's what I want. I think Devin Booker needs to start at point guard at some point during this season. And we need to run a lineup of some sort of combination of uh, Mikael Bridges, Josh Jackson, Trevor Reza, and Davon Reed in those wing positions and just roll with it. He's, he's, I think he's the best passer on our team as currently constructed. Maybe DeAndre Ayton actually could eventually be the, the best passer on our team. He's got that kind of skill and he's so huge. It's easy to pass over uh, defenses. But I think that... The idea that we're going to be running Brandon Knight at point guard, it's its fun in theory. It's nice to believe that he's going to improve so much. But he's not our best passer. Devin Booker's a better passer. And I think that at some point this season, Igor's going to have to realize that the true future of this team is going to be Devin Booker starting at point guard. At least maybe give it a few tries sometime during this season. Max, so I'm going to take the under, but before you get mad... I with you. I really want Devin Booker to, to play a lot of point guard this season. I just don't think it's going to be as a starter. But if you would have given me an over under twenty five games that Devin Booker closes in the fourth quarter as the point guard, I would have taken the over there. I think he's oh. doing a lot. That's interesting. Yeah, that. no, and I, I love Max, that. I agree with you. I think he's going to play point guard, but I just don't think he's going to start there. I mean, unless we have injuries again, throws like half of these over unders we've done this episode out the window. <laughs> um, but yeah, Igor says he's not a point guard. I think he's going to stick to his guns, and, and we're not going to see him start there. All right. Now I'm going to have to go back and listen to this podcast and actually keep track of what we chose. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> uh, but I just want to say, Max, thank you so much for coming on. This has been really fun. A lot of I think we've gotten a lot of insight in how the three of us feel about this team coming into the next season, hopefully in an interesting way to listen to. 
Um, I will say everyone needs to go listen to the seven seconds or less podcast. It's fantastic. Remember, uh, all of these things together, we're all trying to create the most informed fan base with the Phoenix Suns fans. And hopefully, even though we had the worst record in the season, Suns fans will go into the season knowing a lot about it. Uh, Max, what's your Twitter handle? First, first, thanks so much, Mike. It's so nice to you. Uh, I totally agree with you. It's it's just fun to be part of this community now. It's fun to be putting out this content. I hope uh, I hope Suns fans are enjoying it, and we'll have to have you and Sam on on seven seconds or less soon. Uh, my Twitter handle is at maxmcc11. Uh, please give me a follow if you could. Thanks so much. All right, Sam, you got anything to add here at the no, end? No, I just want to reiterate um, what you just said. Seven seconds or less, guys. Seriously, follow it. It's great. Um, Max, you and David are both two seriously knowledgeable guys with a ton of chemistry um and i have a sneaking suspicion that we do share a lot of the same listeners based on the same handful of people that interact with both of us on twitter but for those of our uh, listeners who somehow do not know of their podcast yet uh definitely go follow them because they're doing a great job yeah it's not a zero-sum game follow listen to both of us Mm -hmm. there's room for everyone uh last thing thank you to everyone who uh, listen to our last episode about the 2009-2010 Suns team. It took a lot of work. It was super fun to make, and we really appreciate all the nice things that people are saying online. Uh, don't forget to follow us at the Timeline Pod, and uh, you know, go ahead and tweet at us and tell Sam that he needs to create a Twitter. Oh, account. I forgot again. Has it been another week? <laughs> join us, Sam. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll join you. Expect that sometime in the future. Thanks for listening. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.